I was bear hunting in a new area and hiking up a trail. There had been some traffic from the week before that I could see. I had made it around a mile when I distinctly heard a little kid sobbing the word Mom. I froze. It was barely first light and there were no cars at the trailhead. First thought was a cat or something worse. I read far too much of this crap. I thought about leaving, but also thought, what if a kid and his mom went out and something happened? I called out several times, but no response. Must have been an animal, I thought. I continued working my way up the trail, chuckling at myself and thinking about how paranoid I am. I hadn't made it fifty yards when I heard it again, but louder. Mom. I immediately started walking towards the sound and yelling that I was on my way and to wave their arms because I can't see them. I stopped after maybe another fifty yards to listen. I hadn't heard anything back in response. It has to be a cat. I decide to wait and watch for a while. About thirty minutes go by and nothing. I'm thinking about how I need to get going and how stupid I am following something around like that. Mom again. My blood ran cold. It was very close and it sounded just like a little kid. I yell again and slowly walk ahead. I put my back against a tree and listen. Maybe another half hour goes by. Then right above me, Mom, I dropped while pointing my rifle straight above me. I was shaking so bad, I can't see anything. I just keep looking and then the slightest breeze comes through. And again, Mom. It was a small tree leaning into the tree I had leaned against. Every time the wind blew, it would make the sound. To get to the deer stand I sit in, I have to walk through a small path in the woods from the drive I park on and then turn on to the field edge lining the woods. I walk the field probably 100 yards or so before I turn back into the woods and walk in probably 40 yards to the stand. As I turned onto the field, I hear steps just inside the woods. Definitely something with four legs. Pitch black, so turn on my headlamp and look. Don't see a thing, thinking my head is playing tricks on me. Start walking again, and whatever it is starts walking as well, step for step. Stop, look again. Nothing. This went on for about fifty yards, and then it stopped. I kept going to my stand, not looking back, but kept a hand on my sidearm. Was bow hunting at the time. Didn't hear it again. Sat all morning and saw nothing. Went in for some lunch and it started snowing around that time. Came back out around three. And as I start walking through the path to the field, I notice there are bear tracks along the path. And then veer off into the woods. Not sure if it was the bear pacing me or what, but definitely made my walk out of my stand uneasy that evening after dark. We do have some wolves in the area, but they are a rare sight. That's always in the back of my mind. On a recent expedition, I stumbled upon a most intriguing discovery. It was a script, not merely written, but etched into the very stone of a secluded cave. The ancient narrative it unveiled was a chilling tale, steeped in the rich tapestry of the region's Native American history. The tale unfolded with a brutal battle, waged between two formidable tribes. The victors, a tribe renowned for their indomitable warrior spirit and keen tactical acumen, triumphed over their rivals. The vanquished tribe's settlement was ransacked, 
their possessions seized as trophies of conquest. Among the stolen treasures was a unique totem, an artifact of exquisite craftsmanship, imbued with an aura that seemed to hum with an unseen power. Elated by their victory, the triumphant tribe returned to their encampment, the stolen totem their prized possession. Their chief, a figure of formidable authority and unwavering courage, was particularly captivated by the totem. Script suggested it was said to house-trapped spirits, but the chief, dismissing this as mere folklore, audaciously released the spirits within, a spectacle to entertain his victorious warriors. The jubilant victory feast, however, quickly gave way to a mounting dread. Grotesque apparitions began to haunt the tribe, their once tranquil nights transformed into a theater of horrors, a creeping madness subtle at first, began to sow discord among the tribe members. Their once fearless chief, a paragon of strength and resolve, was tormented most of all. The spirits he had so recklessly unleashed had reduced him to a shadow of his former self. With the grim realization of his catastrophic mistake, the chief sought to rectify his error. Gathering a band of his bravest warriors, he embarked on a perilous journey back to the defeated tribe's territory. His intention was clear, to return the totem to its rightful place and make amends, hoping to placate the restless spirits and lift the curse that had plagued his people. The script, however, chronicled a tragic conclusion. Despite the chief's valiant efforts, he and his warriors never returned. His tribe, beset by the relentless hauntings and the insidious madness, gradually vanished. Their once bustling settlement was reduced to a desolate ghost town, a chilling testament to their fatal arrogance. As an archaeologist, this tale resonated deeply with me. It underscored the profound significance of respecting the traditions and beliefs of others. The tribe's downfall was a direct consequence of their haughty disregard for the sanctity of the totem. Their story, forever etched in stone, now serves as a dire warning to future generations, a poignant lesson in humility and respect. This story takes place about four months ago, when I scoffed at the existence of mysterious creatures unknown to science. At night I was investigating odd sounds I was hearing. I looked around the area and found large claw marks on a tree. I concluded that this was a prank until I heard an ear-piercing shriek. I looked up, and suddenly a reptilian creature flew above me. I quickly ran after it, but it disappeared into the night sky. Ever since, I've been hunting this beast, hoping to catch it. It was about the size of a tall human. Any idea what this creature could be? What should I use to lure it in? So I've seen a good amount of strange and unexplainable things in my life. But the most recent one happened after I last moved across state. I was in the habit of taking late-night walks, and everybody who does the same usually has a story of something interesting that they've seen. But one night I was walking along a jogging path. On one side a bunch of housing areas, and on the other a large open field with woods on the other side, from the other side from me. To give you a picture of this, there's short street lamps all along this path, and a good ways ahead are a few houses with the woods mentioned before running behind them. The woods being on my left side, the fence goes to them, 
then goes left as does the path. When I was just about nearing them, I saw a creature start running towards the woods from the corner of the fence. From where I was, it looked like a hairless, tailless, small humanoid that ran on all fours. It ran similarly to how a monkey or chimpanzee would run. Now we have plenty of foxes in that area. It was roughly the size of one, and I was a good distance away from it. But when it got into the woods, I heard all sorts of twigs and branches snapping really loudly, something a fox wouldn't do. From what I saw, it was sort of a peach or paler skin tone. I wasn't scared, more of just confused as to what I had just witnessed. It happened last year, just before winter, and I haven't seen it since. This was in Missouri, if anybody is curious. I've lived in Idaho all my life, and spent a lot of time outside or in the wilderness, as a kid. My grandparents would take me camping, and my older brother and I would always hike up whatever trail we could find to get a view of the sunset. On one of these occasions, something terrifying happened. We were up at a campsite I only know as Warm River. The river there never freezes over, and my brother and I were on a regular evening hike. There was an old tunnel bored through the mountain at one part of the trail, probably an old train tunnel, and we were walking through it when I heard something I'll never forget. After walking through probably two-thirds of the way through the tunnel, I heard a terrible screech at the end we entered through. The screech wasn't like anything I'd heard before. I've heard the screams of animals on dark and windy nights. I even think I've heard Bigfoot calls a few times, but never the metallic grinding screech I heard that day. The point is, whatever the sound was, it did not sound natural in any capacity. I probably jumped five feet in the air when I heard it, and my brother shouted a few choice curses before shooing me quickly to the exit of the tunnel. At this point, my brother decided we should just continue walking and head back after whatever made the noise hopefully cleared out. We didn't have any firearms on us, so I was pretty upset. My brother reassured me we would be fine, and we made the walk back without incident. However, I didn't get any sleep that night. Whether it was the thing that screeched at us or just my imagination, I heard things moving around the campsite the whole night, as well as whispers echoing through the darkness outside the trailer. I woke my brother up a few times to check out what it was, but he refused each time, telling me that it was probably just other campers staying up late and enjoying themselves. The rest of the trip was pretty normal. We packed up the following day, and my life continued as normal. I was disconcerted, but chalked what happened up as a harmless event that I must have been exaggerating in retrospect. A few weeks later, I went up to Pine Basin, an old ski lodge my family rented each year for family reunions. Here I would mess around with my cousins, our favorite activities being night games. We would play hide-and-seek, a game called Ghosts in the Graveyard, and other games like that. In one instance, I was chosen to be the seeker for a hide. And seek game. Because I was one of the younger cousins, I got a flashlight as an advantage. Normally... All the younger cousins hid close to the lodge, and the older cousins hid in the trees or at the base of the nearby mountain. As I was searching near the bottom of the mountain, I heard a familiar whistle up the mountain a bit. We would always whistle as a hint at our location. It sounded like someone was hiding way up near a tree, known as the underwear tree. You can guess why. 
so I began trekking up toward the whistle. As I climbed closer, I got an uneasy feeling in my stomach. I continued on warily and convinced myself that I would be fine. I hated walking in the night alone, but figured whoever I find would walk me back to the lodge. As I neared the tree, I noticed that it was deathly silent. This alerted me that something was very wrong, because you could always hear the adults having fun back at the lodge. I was anxious to hurry back, so I called out I found you Scott. I thought the whistle was my older cousin's. Come back down with me. I got no reply, but I wasn't planning on waiting. As I began walking back down the path, I heard a voice call you almost had me. So I ran back up to investigate. I flashed my light in the branches of the tree and saw a monstrosity that was not my cousin. It looked like a poorly drawn stick figure made into a human with its emaciated figure and lifeless eyes. I remember its face looked like the skin on its head was being pulled from behind. It had torn and stretched features. As soon as I saw the creature, I screamed, dropped the flashlight, and ran back to the lodge. The entire time I ran, I was overcome by an overpowering smell, and I could hear the thing running after me. As I approached the camp, I saw a few people, my cousins, at the bottom of the mountain waiting for me. I was crying and shaking, and they took me inside. I told my dad what happened, but my cousins all said they didn't see anything following me. The adults kept us inside for the night, and I kept hearing sounds drifting in from the mountains. I never played night games after that happened and was always terrified that my cousins wouldn't listen to my warnings. Ever since that night, I have always felt uneasy up in those mountains. I used to be really religious and figured it was a demon of some kind trying to kill me or something like that, but those mountains have never felt the same after that incident. A few years ago, the game Until Dawn became really popular and I watched a walkthrough of it on YouTube. When the Wendigo first appeared in the game, I got chills down my spine. It was exactly what I saw, and I did a ton of research on them. I figure someone must have gotten snowed in at that old lodge and resorted to cannibalism, but that doesn't explain what happened at Warm River. I still hear that screech from time to time. It never occurred to me until watching Until Dawn that they might be from the same thing and it scares the hell out of me every time. I heard it earlier tonight, and that's why I decided to finally write my story down. When I was 16, I went out with my friends Jay and Harley to a large park with a lake and massive grass hills. It was already dark since it was winter, and we sat down to talk after finishing school. We were situated on a hill with a forest to our right and thick grass bushes behind us. While we were chatting... Jay, who was the loud one in our group, started whistling and shouting due to the echo it created. Suddenly, we all heard the same whistle back at us from behind the bushes. We were confused because we knew it couldn't have been the echo. Jay shouted at the sound to provoke it, which frightened me. After a while, something screamed back at us, faint but clear, making my heart drop. Jay then suggested we go investigate, and we followed him. As we walked closer to the bushes, we strayed off towards the exit passage, telling him we should leave. However, he claimed to see eyes and something darted at him. We all ran through the passage and Jay was screaming while me and Harley were in disbelief. Once we reached the road, we looked back and shouted Jay's name. After five minutes, he stumbled out of the darkness and fell to our feet. We walked away from there as fast as we could, not talking about what had happened. 
The next day we met up again and found out that Jay was covered in black and yellow bruises. I have no evidence to prove this story, but I wanted to share it nonetheless. In this case, it's not something I saw, but something I didn't see. Girlfriend and I were in the Tetons last summer when we had to make a pit stop near the end of our week-long camping trip. We turned into the Spread Creek campground area to get away from the traffic on the main road going towards Jackson. We found out later that our discreet P-spot was only 25 yards away from where Gabby Vitito's body was eventually discovered. This was only a day after she was last heard from again, so she was likely already laying there. Felt horrible and helpless to learn what happened to her after the fact, especially since we were only a stone's throw away. Some friends and I had a fire up at Goat Mountain for the night, and we heard noises coming from all around us like something walking through the bushes. Whenever we would shine a flashlight in the forest, we wouldn't see anything and the noises would stop for a while. Then all of a sudden, a tree was pushed over onto our fire, putting the fire out, and when we shined the flashlight in the direction of the tree, a large black furry creature was walking quickly away, breaking branches off trees. I live in central Kentucky and a couple years ago, I was working a temp job with UPS. During the Christmas season, they hire temp workers as driver assistants who ride along next to them and help run packages to doors. This was during December. We were driving around delivering to a rich neighborhood in rural Jessamine Co., Kentucky. Rich gated subdivisions out in the country are quite common here and we sometimes spent hours in these places, no bathrooms leading us to have to piss into bottles in the back. So just some context low. So it was December, and we're in one of these around 7 p.m., and it was already dark. We pull around this cul-de-sac, and his headlights are on and by the side of this house. It illuminates an animal I had never seen before. It was the size of a medium dog, shortish gray fur, medium-length tail, it was slinking along the side of the house into the dark backyard when we saw it. It clearly did not intend to be seen. I was like, did you see that? And the driver said it was the biggest possum he had ever seen in his life. This thing was the size of a medium dog. I can only describe it as looking like a giant ferret or weasel. I saw its head and it had the same snout type. We only saw it illuminated for two or three seconds and it retreated into the darkness. Before anyone says it was a marten or a fisher, those do not occur in Kentucky and they never have. Edit, fishers may have occurred here historically, not even anywhere close. Those are Canadian and Northeast species, and I'm lifelong familiar with coyotes. It was not a coyote. Me, my husband, and our friend were walking up to Squaw Lake to go fishing because the road was still snowed in. We decided to hike. We were about a half mile from the lake. We were about a half mile from the lake when I noticed a footprint on the shady side of the road. I called Jake over and asked him who would be walking up here in their bare feet. And he said nobody. And I asked him to come over to verify what I was seeing. The footprint was well preserved in the snow. It appeared to have been a weak old print. The other prints weren't as well preserved and had melted in the snow but still you were able to distinguish the tracks, but it was exciting none. The less, 
Unfortunately, no pictures were taken. In the dense wilderness of Yosemite National Park, an unknown predator roamed free, having escaped from a secretive government facility. It moved with calculated stealth, blending seamlessly with the shadows of the towering trees. Its true nature remained shrouded in mystery, but its intentions were clear to hunt and conquer. Meanwhile, in a fog-laden coastal park, Ranger Ray carried out his duties with unwavering dedication. The tranquil beauty of the mist-filled landscape was disrupted by whispers, eerie voices that seemed to materialize from the ethereal eyes, from the ethereal eyes, from the ethereal veil. Ray's senses heightened as the whispers grew more menacing, echoing through the damp air. He knew he was no longer alone. Within the mist, an unseen predator lurked, its malevolent presence growing ever closer. Ray's heart raced as he navigated the treacherous trails, his footsteps muffled by the fog. Suddenly, the creature pounced, its feral instincts taking hold. It bore an uncanny resemblance to a Sasquatch, but its eyes glowed a menacing shade of red. In a desperate bid for survival, Ray reached for his weapon, aiming to defend himself against the nightmarish assailant. A fierce struggle ensued, their bodies locked in a battle for dominance. Adrenaline surged through Ray's veins as he fought against the overwhelming force of the predator. With sheer determination, Ray managed to seize his gun, unleashing a volley of bullets at the beast. The creature collapsed, its lifeless body sinking into the damp earth. Relief washed over Ray as he caught his breath, believing the threat had been vanquished. But his respite was short-lived. Moments later, a group of men dressed in black arrived, their presence enigmatic and foreboding. They swiftly collected the lifeless creature, showing no concern for Ray's well-being. Before he could protest, darkness descended upon him as he succumbed to unconsciousness. When Ray awoke, he found himself disoriented and alone. The memory of the encounter remained vivid in his mind. But the men in black and the enigmatic creature had vanished without a trace. Questions lingered, but Ray knew that the truth lay hidden in the depths of secrecy. Me and my pregnant wife were staying at my parents' house in northwest Tennessee on September 17, 2021. It is about 50 yards from our new house. I went out on their back patio to smoke a cigarette around 12 a.m. Over the fence I heard something that sounds like it was choking on something, but at the same time sounded like a distorted pig squealing. It would make sounds in about two, three-second spurts. I honestly thought it was a hawk or owl. Anything that could be explained. I thought it was definitely weird, but probably natural. About three hours later, I couldn't sleep and decided I would go to the gym. As I'm walking to my car, across the yard, and towards the road, I hear this same weird sound coming from about 50 yards away at my 10 o'clock direction. I looked around, and I couldn't see anything or hear anything. Then I hear, hey, hey, in a woman's voice coming from the same direction. So I looked back up, and there was nothing there. As I'm scanning the yard, I hear that loud, squealing noise again. I got in my car and dipped as fast as possible. I thought it was weird, but didn't give it a second thought until a month later I was on TikTok and saw a video of a man riding a horse in Arizona, I believe. And in the video I heard a woman say, hey, hey. 
This makes him and the horse both freak out and run away. It was believed to be a skinwalker. When I heard that same voice and those same words, almost like a recording, my heart sank to my stomach. I really don't believe in any of this and I've tried every way I can to disprove it, and I truly can't. It doesn't scare me as much anymore as it intrigues me. I am so... 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 so curious to know what that was and why me. As a member of an elite Navy SEAL team, I found myself thrust into the heart of a covert mission with high stakes. Our objective was clear. Dismantle a dangerous terrorist organization operating across multiple countries. We knew the risks involved, but we were trained for this. We were prepared. As we delved deeper into our mission, the true extent of the group's operations became evident. What we uncovered was far more sinister than we could have imagined. The terrorists had managed to infiltrate key positions within the U.S. Government, compromising national security from within. The lines between friend and foe blurred, and trust became a precious commodity. With every passing moment, the clock ticked louder, reminding us of the urgency of our task. Lives were at stake, and the threat of a catastrophic attack on American soil loomed ominously. We were up against a web of deception, betrayal, and political intrigue. The true culprits hid behind a facade of legitimacy, shielding their nefarious intentions. We had to tread carefully, for our every move could mean the difference between success and failure. The enemy was cunning and well-organized, leaving no room for error. We couldn't afford to let emotions cloud our judgment, even as doubts began to seep into our minds. We had to rely on our training, our instincts, and most importantly, our unwavering determination to protect our country. The mission became a relentless pursuit of truth, with each piece of evidence leading us deeper into the dark underbelly of the organization. We worked tirelessly, meticulously connecting the dots, exposing the silent saboteurs who had infiltrated the highest echelons of power. The deeper we dug, the more we realized that the threats we faced weren't just from outside forces, but from within our own ranks as well. Betrayal lurked around every corner, and loyalty was put to the ultimate test. We had to be careful who we trusted, even among those we considered comrades. The enemy was always watching, always ready to strike. But we remained resolute, our bonds as seals unbreakable. It was a grueling battle fought in the shadows, with lives hanging in the balance. We pushed ourselves to the limits, overcoming physical and mental obstacles that seemed insurmountable. Sacrifices were made, tears were shed, but we pressed on, driven by our shared purpose. In the end, it was our unwavering determination and unwavering loyalty to our country that prevailed. We exposed the true culprits, bringing them to justice and thwarting their plans for destruction. As the dust settled, we stood proud knowing that we had protected our nation from the silent saboteurs within. But the fight was not over. The war against terrorism continues, and as Navy SEALs, we are ready to face whatever challenges lie ahead. We remain vigilant, ever ready to defend our country against those who seek to harm it. Our mission is never truly complete, but with our skills, our training, and our unyielding dedication, 
we will always stand as the shield, protecting the land we hold dear. I was driving home from the night shift at my job in Pinkham Notch, New Hampshire in the White Mountain National Forest. It was a half an hour's drive at around 10.30 p.m. I'm always on alert for moose and bears which can pop onto the road at any time. The night was foggy and wet. Suddenly, about ten minutes from town, I noticed a movement next to my truck on the driver's side. It was a very large animal running alongside at an angle, as though trying to cross Route 16 from left to right. My truck was in the way of its crossing and I swerved to avoid it. It was doing about 50 miles per hour and it kept right up for about a quarter mile. It had a full coat of six-inch-long, silvery black and gray hair undulating, thrust its hind legs forward so fast it was a blur, and pushed its long front leg or arms under its body to propel. The head was tucked down in the dark. I maintained my speed, and the creature kept right up, not tiring at all. Then suddenly the movement turned into a hyperspeed blur and it launched forward in front of my truck and jumped the guardrail near a stony brook to my right. It disappeared. It was not a bear. I have spent a lot of time alone or with others in the mountains of New Hampshire and Maine with many large animal encounters. I never saw anything like this before. It opened my eyes that these Bigfoot beings are around. Now as I hike the deep woods with my dog, I notice strange things like uprooted saplings, tree trunks and roots, stuck into the ground upside down, carefully arranged identical stones and patterns on the path. I have feelings of not being alone. I quietly sing and deliberately think that I am simply passing through and I have no desire to mingle with or bother others on the trail. I travel with my dog and a loaded 9mm pistol, just in case. So far, I've been left alone. I bump into hikers on the Appalachian Trail and sometimes give them a ride to town. So far, no one has admitted to any encounters, but I always ask if they have noticed anything strange on the trail. I am Ayana, a young Native American woman deeply connected to the ancestral lands that have been our home for generations. These lands hold not only our history, but also the sacred essence of our culture and traditions. Our community has always lived in harmony with nature, honoring the spirits that reside in every rock, tree, and flowing river. However, our peaceful existence is disrupted when a corporation, blinded by greed and riven solely by profit, discovers valuable natural resources buried beneath the surface of our ancestral lands. They see our sacred land as nothing more than a means to accumulate wealth, disregarding the profound spiritual and environmental significance it holds for us. As news of their intention spreads, anger and concern ripple through our community. I cannot stand idly by while our heritage is trampled upon, so I rise as a fierce defender of our people's legacy and the land we hold dear. I understand that we must act swiftly and unite to protect what is rightfully ours. Gathering together the strength and determination of our community I rally the elders, spiritual leaders, and other passionate individuals who share my vision. We form a powerful alliance, reaching out to environmental activists and legal experts who can aid us in our fight against the corporation's destructive plan. Our battle takes various forms, from peaceful protests and direct actions 
to legal battles and media campaigns. We amplify our voices, refusing to be silenced or ignored. We shed light on the corporation's disregard for the sacredness of our land, the irreversible environmental damage their actions would cause, and the violation of our rights as indigenous people. Yet, as we push forward, we encounter escalating threats and challenges. The corporation attempts to divide our community, pitting neighbor against neighbor. They engage in acts of sabotage to undermine our efforts and manipulate public opinion through false narratives and misinformation. But we remain undeterred, knowing that our cause is just and that our unity is our greatest strength. We stand firmly rooted in our ancestral teachings, recognizing the delicate balance between tradition and the delicate balance between tradition and modernity. We strive to convey the importance of cultural preservation and the need to protect our land from exploitation, even in the face of economic development. Through our struggles, we strive not only to protect the physical land, but also to build bridges of understanding and respect between our community and the wider society. We emphasize the invaluable wisdom of indigenous knowledge and the urgency of adopting sustainable practices that benefit both people and the planet. Our journey is fraught with challenges, but we press on, fueled by a profound love for our land and a deep sense of responsibility to our ancestors. We know that our fight extends beyond the boundaries of our immediate community resonating with indigenous peoples worldwide who face similar struggles. As the battle rages on, we continue to walk our path with unwavering determination, guided by the spirits of our ancestors and the hope for a future where the sacredness of our land is recognized of our land is recognized, respected and protected for generations to come. I have had a few experiences one in particular literally raised the hair in my neck and arms. I love going out to remote areas. I used to travel pretty deep into the mountains and stay in an off-grid cabin in Tennessee. When I was there, I never saw another human. And when I say drive, I needed four-wheel drive too. Get there. The road was more of a path than a road, and a rain destroyed parts of it. The cabin had a small solar panel for a couple of small interior lights at night. It didn't support enough power to stay on, so I used candles and oil lamps when I was inside, and moonlight was the best, on nights that the sky was clear. I had an outhouse and always tried to be sure to visit it for the last time, before it got too late. I had seen coyotes, heard mountain lions in heat, which will creep you out on its own, and seen bear scat. With that much going on, I really tried to use the bathroom for the last time each night before full darkness hit. One night in particular I had the unfortunate experience of a full-on angry abdomen IBS attack and desperately had to get to that outhouse at 11 p.m. or so. It was very dark and the sky was overcast. Trees blocked any minor moonlight coming through the clouds. I had an old flashlight I left there and I guess humidity got to it. It went out halfway to the outhouse, which was about 25 feet from the cabin. I already felt stalked with the light on, but didn't see anything around me when the flashlight was on. I figured I was creeping myself out. Then the light went out halfway, and I felt so exposed. Again, I kept thinking I was just freaking myself out. 
I'm not a person who freaks out easily or gets scared easily. I have been through a lot in life, so it was really odd to have the sense I was being stalked. I really, really had to get to the outhouse. My stomach was not happy. I rushed to the door, fully focused on getting some relief, and as I grabbed the handle in the dark, I heard dry branches on the ground crack as something stepped on them. I smelled the mist foul smell I have ever smelled. I have pulled dead, rotting possum corpses out from under homes and smelled some major nastiness in my life. This smell, this made the hair in my neck stand up. I really had to deal with my stomach. The stupid flashlight would not come back on. I finally had some relief from my stomach and no new sounds had occurred while I was in the outhouse. I waited and listened and I heard nothing. My plan was to go slowly and confidently to the cabin. I had no idea what I was dealing with, but I was convinced showing fear would only get me attacked and or dead if I was creeping myself out. As soon as I opened the outhouse door, that foul smell was there and stronger. I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. It was pitch dark out. I counted my steps and kept moving toward the cabin and let my breathing calm and to feel like something was right behind me. The smell was so intense it made me feel sick. I just kept going. I was nearly to the house and I felt the back of my hair move like someone or something swatted at it. I finally rounded the corner of the cabin and climbed the stairs. I got inside that cabin as fast as possible. I was beyond scared. Every single hair on my arms and neck were standing up. I looked out the only window I had and could swear I saw orange eyes glowing in the dark, staring back at me. I thought I was letting the fear and my being so tired play tricks on my eyes. I rubbed my eyes and looked again. They were still there. They were really, really high up. I thought, is that something in a tree? It would have been seven or eight feet tall if it was standing. Trying to make sense of it, I convinced myself it was something in a tree. The next morning, I went for a walk and go in a huge and very weird three-toed footprint in some mud near the outhouse.